0: Troubles. Troubles. Have you ever had any trouble in your life? You know what I'm talking about when we talk about troubles? I talked about some troubles at praise in the park, but I got short-circuited a bit. I didn't give, get a chance to give the whole word. In and, and our opening this morning, we'll, we'll reiterate it, and I'll, I'll get it all out. Sometimes us preachers feel like a woman in labor until we deliver. I mean, uh, we don't feel like we've done what we've been called to do. Troubles. I had a week before we left uh, for general counsel uh, of not just troubles, but water troubles. Water troubles. Uh, I turned on the faucet in our kitchen that had just been remodeled five years previous turned on the faucet and instead of the water going down the drain it just filled the whole bottom cabinet water troubles walked by the tub and uh, pastor was on his cell phone uh, on my cell phone talking like an Italian and guess what happened cell phone ended up in a water tub and it's not a submarine dad was mad dad was sad Jenny was glad because the whole family got brand new cell phones through it. Yeah, 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 water troubles, sure. And then just before we leave, Becky has this brand new revelation, my wife, that just before we fly out of town, we should have a garage sale. Dad didn't want to have a garage sale. Hubby didn't want to have a garage sale. Pastor didn't want to have a garage sale. Pastor put his foot down. But if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. We had a garage sale. And I said, you put all that stuff out, you put all that garbage, you make me carry all that garbage out of the attic and put it in the driveway, it's going to rain. She said, do it. I did it. And it rained. I brought it all back in. Water trouble. Water trouble. And then I had my first experience as a pastor preaching in the rain at Praise in the Park. Thank God we got them all water baptized. We got everything done that we wanted to do. And, uh, uh, but it rained. It, it just had to pour when I preached. Everybody else got to do, you know, the praise team. No rain, but when pastor preached, it just poured. It just poured. I haven't been more frustrated in a long time like I was that night. And, and it just poured. Water trouble. Then we get home, and the basement's flooded. It wasn't necessarily a crack in the wall, or it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a sub pump. Uh, I, I discovered this one floor drain, skinny floor drain. And, and I, I looked. I could see something wedged down in there. And I used every tool I could get my hands on to get it up. could get, got the shop vat the shop vat. man one after another matchbox car <laughs> <laughs> I don't still don't think I've got them all that my grandsons my twin grandsons jammed down the drain and a flooded basement we had to call the gopian and oh my I mean just just a Water trouble. Later on the message, I'll talk to you about a bad water trouble. Most of you have already heard about it. You read the Gospels and you can't get away from it. Water troubles. Those disciples, they learned an awful lot about faith when they were on the water. Are you with me? Mark, stay in James, but uh, Mark, chapter 4 verse 35 Jesus basically told his disciples after teaching get in the boat we're going to the other side of the lake. Let us go over to the other side. He wasn't saying this to sinners, unbelievers. He wasn't saying this to the world. This is important for your understanding of this word. He was saying this to his followers. His closest followers. His disciples. Knowing full well Jesus Being omniscient, he knew full well what was going to happen when he told them to get into the boat. They obeyed him. They followed him. They were with him. Jesus was with them in the boat. And then the scripture says as Jesus fell asleep, a storm hit. A furious squall hit, the Bible says. These men panicked. And remember, some of these men were fishermen. They understood the nature of the Sea of Galilee. They knew when they should be terrified. There was more water coming in the boat than going out of the boat. They wake Jesus up and, Lord, Master, don't you care? We're about to drown. Jesus stood up in the boat and Jesus said, Peace! Be still! I did a study in the Greek I've never done before. Never saw this before. This is fresh. The Greek technical term that Jesus used was very unique. It's pefimoso. It is a technical term in the Greek only used for stripping, dispossessing demons of their power. It tells us the satanic source of the storm. It tells us that the storm was spawned in the very pit of hell. Satan was trying to kill Jesus and his disciples. And yet, hallelujah, the Lord of the wind and the waves says to the storm, Shut up! And it was immediate, not gradual. The Greek is very important. It was immediate, a cessation of wind. Uh, An immediate, instant calm came both the wind and water. The disciples look at Jesus. And they said, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Jesus looks back and says, Why were you so afraid? Why didn't you trust me? Let me ask you a question. Did Jesus know when he said, get in the boat and let's go to the other side, that there was going to be a satanic storm? Sure he did. He's God. He's omniscient. What he stated that. He knew it. And he put his followers smack dab in the middle of a satanic storm. Why? 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 If there's any question us pastors get hit with the most, it's that one. Why am I going through this? Why, the big C word, why did God allow my spouse, my mother, my father, my boy, my girl to die? Why, Pastor? James, chapter 1. Would you look at it with me this morning? James, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, penned these words. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many, many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Trials, and I'll use that term. It's a term that if you're not used to it, we use it in the church quite a bit. It speaks of a testing. It speaks of a trying of your faith in a time of trouble. Tribulation. And troubles come in all sizes, shapes, and seasons. This morning, we look at what the Bible says. God's Word as it answers the why question. Father, I ask and pray that you would come, O sweet Holy Spirit. And Lord, grant us ears to hear and hearts to receive. Uh, Thus saith the Lord this morning. Lord, I pray that you'll especially perk up the ears of those that are asking why. your name we pray it, amen and amen. Mark it down, this is a bit of a teaching word this morning. Trials often grant us greater revelation of just who our God is. I was 10 years old. It was Holland, Michigan where my dad pastored and dad had just gifted me with the most awesome thing that any 10 year old boy could get. My first go-kart. Dad never bought anything new. It was used and it was old, but it was fast. It could go 35 miles an hour. The only problem was it had no governor on its speed. You couldn't control the speed. It just kept going faster and faster. Worst of all, it had no brakes. (laughs) Yet Dad being the crazy kind of a cool dad, and Dad was a cool dad, uh, that he was, uh, he couldn't wait for me to try it out. I got on it. And sure enough, it took off going faster and faster. I couldn't stop it. I'm screaming. Now I'm crying. And when a 10-year-old boy cries on something that uh, her husband has given her son, my mother had this horror-stricken face. And I'm going around in circles and sort of, I can't stop. My dad ran threw himself in the air, tackled the go-kart. The chain and the wheel completely chewed up his arm. But he stopped that go-kart. I got off. I looked at my dad. Wow. My dad's superman. I had a fresh new revelation of who my dad was and is to this day. I feel sorry for people. I feel sorry for Christians who never have any problems. You know of some. It seems like they were born under a lucky star. Never sick, success, money, job, position. Seems like a tiptoe through the tulips. But I feel sorry for him. If you've never been sick, feel sorry. I've been sick. But in my sickness, when the doctor gave a bad diagnosis, I was able to rise up and declare, by his stripes, I am healed. And guess what? By His stripes. You know the story of my heart. Uh, You know the story of my aneurysm. Uh, By His stripes, I was healed. Uh, I could show you a, a CAT scan that was taken one year ago and a CAT scan taken today. And hallelujah, I can declare that the prayer of faith shall heal the sick. That God is still in the miracle business. I feel sorry for you if you've never had financial problems. You'll never realize how David realized when he said, I once was young, but now I'm old. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken or begging for bread. Uh, He is our provider. I feel sorry for you if you've never come under satanic storms satanic attack because you'll never be able to fully have a great revelation that your God is greater for greater is he that's within us than he that's within the world trials, testing, troubles some of you are going through them right now will give you a brand new revelation of who your God is revel in that, enjoy it, grow in that mature in that That's God's desire for your life. Trials, write it down, can serve as course correction for our walk with God. True or false? You know I love quiz questions, especially true and false. True or false? People experiencing troubles are being punished for their sins. Wow, i got a pretty mature congregation here. One of the first things that the devil whisper in your ear when you hit the skids, when you hit the pits, when it seems like the bottom has dropped out from under you, one of the first things that the devil whisper in your ear, God is punishing you for your past. Your sins have come back to haunt you. God is punishing you. Nothing can be further from the truth. Only one, only one, only one has ever been punished for sin. And that one was sinless. And we celebrate him this morning. Upon the cross he took your sin. <laughs> Upon the cross he took my guilt. Uh, he was, it was as though uh, he was made guilty for every one of our sins, past, present, and future. As God placed sin upon him at the cross, God poured out his wrath on sin for all time upon Jesus. That's why we sing the great hymn of the faith, Jesus paid it all. <laughs> Not just 99%, 100%. Don't say that God is judging you. Go, don't say that the, the Lord is punishing you. Punishment always looks backward for something that has been committed What the Lord gives is course correction. The Bible word is discipline. Discipline is not retributive. Discipline is remedial. It's for our good. It's for our betterment. Read with me, if you would, in Hebrews chapter 12. Here, the writer says, Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as His children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? They disciplined us for a little while, as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good, in order that we may share in His holiness. No discipline seems pleasant. And can I hear an amen? Amen. Yes. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but... Painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. The Lord's discipline always looks forward, never backward. It's course correction in our lives. One of my favorite psalms is Psalms 23. Repeat it with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And then smack dab in the middle of that psalm is, Thy rod and thy staff, they they comfort me. And every time I got the rod in my house growing up, you kids are lucky today. Most of you, and I watch your parents, I laugh at Pastor Ryan. You know, one's just taking a ball bat to the other, and then he tells them to stand in the corner with time out. Wish my dad knew that. Oh, I wish I'd been born in this generation. My dad, let me tell you, he lived by spare the rod, spoil the child. I heard that amen. Mary Hand, did you hear that amen? (laughs) And he would say, Philip, go to your room. Oh, those words still haunt me today. Because I knew what was coming. And Dad would take uh, about 15 minutes to cool down and for the fear factor to build up in me. And the worst part of getting a spanking was what he would do afterwards. He said, now, Philip, Let's kneel down next to the bed. And he'd put his armor. And he'd pray. God, you gave us this child. And we love him desperately. We love him so much. We do not want him to go in the wrong direction. Lord, speak to his heart. I'd already been spoken to in the hinder parts. I thank the Lord. I have no regrets. I never hold my parents' correction over their hands. I stand up and bless them. In the name of Jesus, I thank the Lord for every one of those spankings because I deserved a whole lot more than they never caught me on. <laughs> Sometimes God allows a trial to wake you up You're spending too much time at work instead of the house of God. You're spending too much focus on the business than the house of God. Your focus is too much on relationships with friends, with boyfriends and girlfriends instead of the lover of your soul. Wake up! Turn around! There's no time for detour, delay, or distraction. Focus on me. Fix your eyes on me. I want the best for you. I want life for you. I want eternal life for you. Next mark it down if you would Mark it down if you would God allows troubles in our lives to teach us dependency on him Dependency on him The Apostle Paul healed the sick and raised the dead and yet Paul prayed three times three times three times for the Lord to deliver him and the Lord would not why? Let's read it. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Therefore, in order to keep me from being what? Say it again for me. Say it like you've read it. Thank you. I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness therefore i will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that christ's power may rest on me that is why for christ's sake i delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. for when i am weak when I am dependent, then I am strong. I'm strong. We don't know the exact nature of Paul's thorn in the flesh. Some commentators believe that he had an eye disease. There's evidence for that. There's a strong argument for the fact that it was all of the persecutions that he received from his own countrymen, the Jews. We don't know the nature of Paul's thorn in the flesh exactly, but we know why God allowed it, so that pride would not consume Paul and short circuit what God wanted to do in and through his life. Pride. You know, every time, every time uh, Pete Randazzo that I hear of an old furnace leak, carbon monoxide, and a family that dies. I think of pride. Carbon monoxide. What can we say about it? Can you see it? Can you feel it? Can you taste it? Can you smell it? No. It's deceptive. And then, in addition to deceptiveness, carbon monoxide poisoning is not instant. It's gradual. It lulls you to sleep. It lulls you into a sleep from which you never wake up. Pride is like that. Pride is like that. Pride is bound up in deception and in the graduation of process. It's the deceptiveness of the gradual. You don't wake up and overnight you're, you're, you're proudful. No, look at the life of, of Samson. It was over a period of time. It was, it was in his middle age years that he was snoozing in the lap of Delilah. Look at King David. It wasn't when he slew Goliath. It was in his middle age years that he, that he fell into sin with Bathsheba. Look at Peter. Simon Peter. Pride did not knock at the door of Simon Peter when he first began following Jesus. It was at the very threshold of Calvary. That Peter said, though the rest run out on you, I'll never run out on you, Jesus. You can count on me. I'm your man. I'll stick with you to the very end. In just a few hours, he denied Jesus three times. I don't know the man. Pride has brought down more TV preachers, uh, brought down more great ministers and ministries of the gospel than, when, than we want to count pride though is not is not is not uh, resident in just those that are famous in ministry pride can knock at any heart door that's here this morning why does a man not stop and ask for directions pride is the number 1 sin on god's hate list pride knocks at our heart's door when we think that we've arrived when we think Uh, that we've got enough money now, we've got great health now, everything's going our way now. Pride deceptively comes into our life when all of a sudden, you can see the signs of it, our prayer life begins to wane. Our our word life uh, in His precious Word becomes parched, dry and thirsty and no more. Pride begins to haunt us. We don't have the passion that we used to have. Walking with God, you're a victim of pride. The worst part of it, pride will set you up for a fall. This is why God, God will allow a, a, a trouble, a trial to come into your life. That'll put you on your knees. I know, I know I've had certain problems come into your pastor's life, and it's forced me to go on my knees, it's forced me to cry out to God, not by might, not by power, but by thy spirit, say it to the Lord. And in weakness we become strong as we depend upon Him. You see, sometimes God puts us on our backs. To cause us to look upwards. Write it down. God allows us to experience trials to produce a special, a special kind of faith. Persevering faith. Hebrews 12, let us run with perseverance the race that has been set before us. Why did teachers give you tests in school? Because they despise you? No, they wanted to make you smarter. Why did the coach make you run laps? And make you work out until there was just nothing left inside of you. You felt like you were going to die. Why did the coach do that? Because he wanted to cut you down, denigrate you. He, he, he wanted to torture you. No, he wanted to make you strong in the battles to come. You can't enjoy the victory unless you experience the battle. Amen. Coach Jesus. Coach Jesus is looking for marathon runners. He's not looking for sprinters. What do sprinters do? They'll run a hundred yards, and if there's any sprinters in the congregation, God bless you. But on a whole, sprinters, they'll run a hundred yards, they'll put on a burst of speed, they'll give their all, and then they just collapse. Marathon runners not only run a hundred yards, 400 yards, a mile, 5 miles, 10 miles, 26 mile marathons. And God is able to look down at marathon running Christians and He looks at them like the Energizer Bunny. Still going. Still going. Uh, financial impoverishment. Still going. Health crisis. Still going. Marital mess. Still going. Uh, death in the family. Still going for me. Hallelujah and all of heaven rejoices. God is wanting to create marathon runners and not sprinters in this race called faith. There was a gal that attended this church years ago and I would imagine only a few of you remember her name. Eloise Castro, a darling in the faith. Eloise Castro in her senior years sugar diabetes Having its way with her and then I got the phone call St. Joe's West the time now Henry Ford over here on 19 Mile They've just amputated both of Eloise's legs Okay, sir, ma'am, you've just got that phone call What are you gonna do? What are you gonna say? You're gonna walk into her room like the sunshine lady at the hospital. This is the day that the Lord has made. Rejoice and be glad in it. Oh, I had a heavy heart. I was praying as I drove to the, oh God, give me a word, give me a word, give me a word. Walk into that room. I saw that trunk of a body laying there in the sheets going flat, no legs. I did not see a grief-stricken woman. I did not see a fist raised towards heaven, shaking. God, why? I looked at a face that was beaming. I didn't have to give her a word. She gave me a word. I said, Eloise, how are you doing? She said, oh, pastor, I'm doing great. They wanted to send in a psychiatrist. I told I don't need any psychiatrist. I have Dr. Jesus, and I'm doing fine. (laughs) Hallelujah. 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 God looks down. And says, uh, Eloise is still going. Uh, she's a marathon runner. Uh, that's persevering faith. Uh, she is hunkered down upon the promises of God. Which are yea and amen in Christ Jesus our Lord. She has a bulldog tenacity. She will not let go of me. And I'm greatly glorified. Read Hebrews chapter 11. The first half. The first half. When you go home and read it, the first half, they received all kinds of miracles. The heroes of the faith that received all kinds of miracles. The second half are those that believed and kept running the race, but never received. They believed, but never received. And God says this of them, of whom the world is not worthy. They are so precious in the sight of the Lord. Christian. When you go through your valley, and it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. What will God see? Will He see you thrown in the towel? Will He see you being a quitter? Will He see you being a dropout? And the dropout rate in the church today is incredible. Will He see you detoured or distracted or dismayed? Or will He see you? And God says, Still going. Still going. Still going. That's where the victory is won. That's how the battles are won. May the Lord Jesus Christ be highly praised. Write it down. Sometimes trials are allowed. Because God sees the big picture. And we don't. He sees the big picture in His eternal kingdom plan. Paul said in First Corinthians 13. For now, we see through a glass darkly. Ever try to see through a window that's fogged? But then face to face, but now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I also am known. All of our questions will be answered in heaven. But right now, you don't see the big picture. I said, you don't see the big picture. You don't see how through your tragedy, So many lives are being impacted for the glory of God for all eternity, for your momentary trouble, for your quickie little trial in terms of eternity. You do not comprehend the totality of what our omniscient, eternal, majestic God is seeing. He is not a, he doesn't play checkers, he plays chess. And he's moving things around. You keep praying. That's your part. You keep believing and keep trusting. That's your part. God is moving the chess pieces. God has a social network that is beyond your imagination. And he's influencing lives as he allows you to keep running the race. Despite the problems, despite the difficulties. You know, we think we own ourselves. We think that we own our destinies. We've made our plans. It was not supposed to turn out this way. This always happens to somebody else, not me. But That's not what the Bible says. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. He is the potter. We are the clay if he chooses to allow his child to walk through the fire, through the flood, it's his choice. Why, Pastor? He's God. You're not and I'm not. But here's the promise. If you sail through the storm, if you walk through the fire, if you pass through the flood, he will never leave you. He will never forsake you for he is with you always and nothing shall separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This past week, Joni Tada Erickson was one of the speakers. Some of you recognize that name of Joni Erickson, some of you do not. She's a woman of my generation. Decades ago at the age 17, she dove into a lake it was the last time that she ever walked or moved her arms. Paralyzed from the neck down. You talk about the why questions. And we're talking about a follower of Jesus Christ. And by the way, if you ever hear any teaching or preaching that says, Come to Jesus and you'll never have a problem again. If you you come across a gospel that says, You just name it and claim it. Let me tell you, you run. You run. That is counter to the totality of the full gospel message. God over and over says that trials, difficulties, problems, and troubles will be our lot. Jesus said, in this world, you will, you will, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Hallelujah follower of Jesus Christ, Joni Erickson, paralyzed from the neck down. And if you read any of her books, she recounts over and over the terrible, terrible bouts of black depression. Why? She knows why now. My influence for my life The greater portion of it will primarily be lakeside assembly of God. And I'm so thrilled with that. But that young lady who was paralyzed from the neck down has been given a platform to speak to literally millions. Millions. And thousands have come to Jesus and have been impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ because of the sufferings of one woman who would not be bent, would not be kowtowed by the sufferings that the Lord has opened up in her life. The Lord gave her a platform and she has used it faithfully to influence men and God can do that for you too. God can do that for you too. God allows sufferings for uh, He sees the big picture that we don't. Romans 8:28, and we know that in all things, all things, all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. If you're going through the battle right now, if you're sailing through the storm, trust God, trust God, trust God, trust God. Trust God. Take it to Him. Somehow, someway, God is released to do a work and turn around for His glory. His glory. For 2 Corinthians declares, verse chapter 4, our light in momentary troubles, momentary, momentary, are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. I might be talking to a soul this morning, you're going through a terrible trial. Focus on heaven. Focus on the end point. Focus on the finish line. If you're not focused on the hereafter, you'll never cope with the here and now. Mark it down, number six, trials also come into our lives uh, to equip us to comfort others. Paul said in 2 Corinthians, Paul said, praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that what? So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. There is a unique school, there is a privileged university. You can't Google it, it's not on the map. But it's probably the greatest school of all that God has ever created. It's called the University of Suffering school of suffering. I was 27 years old. A young youth pastor. And the emergency call came through. We were at a young marrieds function, playing volleyball, and the call came through. And I raced up, I believe it was Providence Hospital. There was a little seven-month old baby boy, all hooked up to machines, reminded me so much of my little Logan, my grandson, and little Daniel Beringer was brain dead. Then I went to a funeral where a man of God, at the funeral, gave these words. I'll never forget it. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And that's what has made this man of God, this pastor, and his dear wife so effective in pastoral care, in ministry. (laughs) You can go to school and learn how to counsel people. I've been there. But until you've gone through it, you don't want to totally understand it. There's nothing like receiving ministry from someone that's gone through it. One of the reasons God allows trials, terrible situations to come into your life and my life If we'll continue to trust the Lord as we go through it, and you will go through it, this too shall pass. God will use you mightily to be of comfort and counsel and care to others. Will you allow the Lord to use your trial to be of glory to Him and comfort to others? Most of you I think have heard I got kind of short-circuited with the rain the other night at praise in the Park. So I want to share it again. You talk about a week of water troubles. Water troubles. Leaky faucets, leaky sinks, cell phones, dead. Then we were at our cottage on the lake, way up north, Lapeer. And I invited the pastors and the directors to come on up for a pastoral director getaway. And my dad and my mom did teaching. And it was late Monday night around midnight. And we were laughing and joking on the deck, getting quite loud. House was full of adults. My grandsons were asleep in the guest bedroom. Again, it's after midnight, we're saying our goodbyes and, and Don Woggy, Don Waggy couldn't find her shoes. And if you've ever seen Don Woggy's shoes, you know the panic of the moment. And we're looking for Don's shoes. Pastor Ryan, my son-in-law, went into the guest bedroom, didn't turn the lights on, didn't want to wake up. The boy's looking for Don's shoes because my grandsons are expert thieves. (laughs) He's searching in the darkened bedroom. He looks in the closet and two eyes look out at him. A strange woman is in there. Partially nude. She says, don't tell anybody I'm here. My boyfriend wants to kill me. Thank God Pastor Ryan had the sense, give me your hands. He wanted to make sure she didn't have a knife or a weapon. He grabbed her hands and began shouting for me. I had the women cover her with a blanket. Sat her in the family room. 30-something girl. Barely older, found out later, six months older than my daughter, Julie. My boyfriend's trying to get me. I ran into your house to hide. I'm on 911 with the dispatcher. While I'm on the phone with the dispatcher, Dawn's going through her suitcase. My iPad's gone, my makeup is gone. Now we're really in trouble. Medication. Uh, Julie finds a blanket with the iPad. A dirty blanket that was none of ours, and inside the dirty blanket was the iPad, the makeup, the medication, the stolen. We've got a thief, and uh, she tried to escape. I grabbed her just as the police officer came in. And uh, long story short, we were up till three o'clock filling out statements. She's led away in handcuffs. Her sons taken by CPS, Child Protective Services. She had two boys, a 12 and a nine-year-old. High, high on booze and methadone. Come to find out, because we have a private community up there, safe community. They brag about keeping their doors unlocked up there. And uh, she was an import from Flint. She was the girlfriend of my neighbor two doors down who's 73 years old. I understand now about this post-traumatic thing. The Police were st- still there and all of a sudden it hit me. What if my grandsons had whimpered? What if they had cried out and she had clapped a hand over? What if she had suffocated them? What if she had grabbed one and just ran out? We would have never have known. It happened that quick. And I began shaking all over, start crying. The police officer came over and said, are you going to be okay? My wife, Becky, said, our cottage is ruined. It'll never be the same. And I said, stop it. In the name of Jesus, let's stop this. Let's gather in a circle. Let's begin praising the Lord and celebrate His goodness. Let's celebrate His protection. Let's celebrate that our God is greater and that He has won the day. I don't know why our house was chosen, but I know my God was faithful. I know my God is faithful. Hallelujah. I just got court documents sent to me. I don't know if we're going to have to go to court. Pray with us uh, on this. That justice will be served, but mercy will also be served. and That help will be given this girl. I don't know when your next trial is going to come. I don't know when the next trouble is going to hit. But I do know this. Our God is faithful. He has stood the test of time. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And nothing will separate you from the love of God. In Christ Jesus. Lastly, let me finish this message. God allows trials in our lives. So we can experience. (laughs) We can experience. The applause of heaven. Ephesians 3.10. His intent was that now. Through the church. That the manifold wisdom of God. Should be made known to who? Should be made known to who? You might never know the reason why. You're going through a trial. Sometimes God wants to show you off to the angels of heaven and to the fallen angels of hell, to the rulers and the authorities in the spiritual dimension. That's the story of Job. Read the book of Job. Job never found out why he suffered so bad. And God was doing it to show off Job in front of who? Satan. And to the angels of heaven. 1 Peter chapter 1 says in all this you greatly rejoice though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of troubles. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than what? Gold which perishes even though refined by fire may result in praise, glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. That word trials there in 1 Peter 1 Look at that word trials. It's translated from the Greek word dokome. Dokome. It means something put to the test for the the purpose of proving its genuineness, its value. God is refining you like precious gold uh, so that your faith uh, will be precious unto Him and unto all eternity. What's the difference between a lump of coal and a diamond? What's the difference between a lump of coal and a diamond? They're both the same thing pressure, intense pressure. God is at work in you, Christian. The reason many times for the intense pressure is God is refining you. God is making you priceless. The world looks at gold and diamonds as precious. The church will give its applause when they hear about a healing miracle and say, that's powerful. But God looks at your faith as it comes through the fire, and he says, it's priceless. Priceless. You may never know why God has taken you through the storm until you get to heaven. And when you walk through the gates of heaven, you'll receive the applause of heaven. God, was allowing you to go through the fire and the flood, as a testimony to the angels. I believe that's the story of Louisa Stead. Do you know the story of Louisa and Lily Stead? Louisa and Lily Stead? Louisa and Lily Stead, Louisa's husband, Lily's father, they were the quintessential happy family. In 1882, everything was going their way. Dad, hubby had a great job, provided awesomely for the family, the Stead family. One afternoon, they went on a picnic at Long Island Sound. In the midst of their happy picnic, all of a sudden, they heard the screams of a boy drowning out in the, the ocean. She was being taken out by the rip current. Mr. Stead dove in the water and Louisa and her little daughter Lily watched it in horror as both husband and father drowned along with the little boy taken out by the rip current. But the trouble wasn't over. Before Social Security, before all the entitlements that are granted today, Louise and Little Lily became destitute, terribly poor, but they kept trusting God. And morning after morning, night after night, groceries would be left at the doorstep. They never knew from where they came. And they never knew a day Without at one point where it had gotten so dark so bleak like there was no way out and a miraculous supply of groceries was delivered Louisa after that meal sat down and wrote this song
1: trust in Jesus just to-
0: That point went to South Africa where they became missionaries and powerfully impacted that nation for the kingdom of God. Tis so sweet to trust in who? If you think you've asked why? From the cross of Calvary that midnight hour, all of a sudden there came a cry. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why did Jesus Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit had never been separated throughout all of the eternal ages until that moment in time. As Jesus was separated from God, forsaken by God in a way you will never understand. There is no person alive on this planet that has ever been totally separated from God. Except Jesus who has made the apex, the epitome of all sin, past, present, and future. Your sins, my sins. And it was as though Jesus had committed every one of those sins. And He loaded down with guilt and unholiness. God the Father turned His back upon His Son and separated Himself. We celebrate communion this morning. And it's a celebration. We celebrate communion because he was forsaken that we might be accepted. He was forsaken in new loneliness like no one will know loneliness. So that the Lord Jesus, God, will be with us always. The next time, next time, you ask why. Look in the boat of your life. Jesus is there. As long as you have Jesus, there is no fear. Father, we ask and pray this morning that as we approach this table, that we'll approach it clean, righteous, saved by your grace. Lord, let this table be of ministry, to those that are going through troubles, trials, testings, and tribulation, even tragedy. Come Holy Spirit, bring your course correction even right now. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Please know, looking around the sacredness of this moment, Christians are praying. I want you to, and especially the Lord, wants you to receive Holy Communion. But I must tell you, if you're not in right relationship with God, if there's unconfessed sin in your life, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot take part in this holy supper if you do you bring a curse upon yourself and bring damnation into your life heads are bowed and eyes are closed I'm going to pray a prayer a prayer of salvation if you would like to be included in this prayer there's no one here that will embarrass you heads are bowed and eyes are closed I'm not asking you to join this church, but I am inviting you to join Jesus. If you would like to be included in a prayer that will make you right and give you a home in heaven, then lift up your hand right now by faith. Lift it up. You have to want it. Yes, God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Six hands lifted up for Jesus. Thank you. God bless you. How many more? God bless you. Yes, up in the balcony. I see that hand. God bless you. How many more? Lifting it up for the Lord. Precious Jesus. God bless you. Yes. Nine hands lifted up for Jesus. Keep those hands lifted up. Pray with me right now. Everyone pray out loud. Make this prayer your prayer. Dear Jesus, I confess I am a sinner. But Jesus, You're my Savior. Save me from my sins. I believe You died for me. I believe You paid the price for my sins. I believe that You rose from the dead with resurrection life. I want that life, Jesus. A new life. A changed life. Thank You, Jesus for hearing me, for changing me, for making me brand new. I thank you, Jesus, that I am saved. In the name of Jesus, I believe this and I receive this. Amen. Amen.